Let's sing and swing. Evening visit with Mrs. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Two o'clock on Thursday afternoon in Manila. And now we bring you Forbidden Diary, the true World War II story of Natalie Crowder, based on her secret journal written from a Japanese prison camp in the Philippines. Episode 6, Banzai. Previously on Forbidden Diary. December 26, 1941. Brent School. The worst of the rumors have come true. While I write, men are surely fighting and probably dying at the foot of our trails along the beach. Until today, we've only stayed nights, sleeping on mattresses on a dormitory floor, to the sounds of children crying and adults wondering in wakeful hours how soon the Japanese will arrive. I don't think there's anything more demoralizing than waiting for something horrible to happen. And now, Episode 6. December 27, 1941. Brent School. Our misery is over and also just beginning. Japanese soldiers invaded Baguio this morning. Thank God we're safe at Brent, but it's a madhouse here. Americans and allies keep arriving with nothing but their families and tales of escape. Our dormitory is carpeted in mattresses, each staking people's territory and piled with clothing, blankets, and other items from home. Several people brought kerosene stoves, of all things. As we kept squeezing in one more, our room became uncomfortably warm and smells a little ripe. I think that's when I started to feel a bit punk. But everyone's in rough shape. The nightly chorus of howling babies and people coughing, tripping over each other, and shifting on their mattresses has worn everyone down. It's like being beaten with a pillow. Still, we're much better off than the new arrivals who shared their stories as we wait for the enemy to arrive. I swear, we barely got here. What happened? I was walking over to a neighbor's when out of nowhere a car full of people came barreling up the road. But what happened to the soldiers blocking the roads? Gone. The driver pulled next to me and said the Japs were right behind him. By the looks of everyone in the car, it had to be true. Did you see any Japanese soldiers? I wasn't looking behind me. I took a shortcut home through the woods. We grabbed the kids and did a sprint to Brent. More like a dead run. Yeah. Thank God for the back trails. Man, I never thought I'd be so glad to see this school. We didn't bring a thing with us. Just the kids. Yeah, my wife took the baby, and I carried our toddlers like a couple of sacks of potatoes. A few hours ago, our housekeeper came running into the house screaming her head off in Ilocano. I finally got it out of her that the Japs were four miles away on the Gillian Road. Lele saved our lives. She ran off, and we dashed over here. Nip and tuck, wasn't it? Indeed. We could have easily run into Jap soldiers around that blind curve near town. That would have been the end of us, wouldn't it? A few minutes later, the mayor drove past us with a white flag. He must have been heading into town to meet with the Japanese. Hey, everyone! 
Everyone. Everyone. They've taken down the American flag and raised the rising sun over City Hall. Oh, my God. See? What did I tell you? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, where next? Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. I was sitting with friends in front of the Baguio Hotel this morning when a truckload of about 40 Japanese soldiers pulled up and walked right past us just as calm as you please, like Americans weren't even there. Then maybe we've been overly concerned. They might let us carry on as we have. From your lips to God's ear, Betty. December 28, 1941. Brent School. Last night, Japanese soldiers released the Japanese civilians imprisoned in Camp John Hay. As they were freed, a tremendous roar from many throats could be heard throughout the valley, and what a fierce joy it was. We listened, frightened, then heard a faint banzai on the wind. Many of us feared rioters coming our way. A few hours later, Japanese soldiers walked through the school's front door. They forced all of us into one room and made everyone stand for hours while they searched each of us over and over and looked through our belongings for weapons and sharp objects. All of our flashlights, a big bag of chocolate candy, and a pistol from under Jerry's pillow were confiscated. The soldiers then pushed and prodded us up to the second story, which is a real fire trap. Everyone slept on the wooden floor, except Mrs. Salibi, who was allowed a mattress because of her age. About a dozen of us rested our heads on it all around her, our bodies stemming out like rays of the sun. A soldier positioned himself at the door and trained his machine gun at us. For what was left of the night, we listened to boots stomping, bayonets clanking, and guttural orders. Every half hour, soldiers with heavy, clumping boots and sharp staccato talk looked in, stared at us, and went away. I think only one of us slept. How could anyone sleep through this? They're looking at us like animals in the zoo. I must be five inches taller than most of them. They look like a bunch of snot-nosed kids. We woke this morning to see a little sideshow, courtesy of the Imperial Japanese Army. After rounding us up, one of the soldiers dangled a thick fire escape rope in front of our faces and cut it. The message being, you have no way to escape except down one set of stairs, making our room even more of a fire trap. If the goal was to ratchet up fear and... Claustrophobia? Their sadistic performance certainly did the trick.
being stuck in a fire trap laid me out, along with hunger. A soldier blocked the stairs, and no one was allowed down to the first floor to get the supplies and food they brought. Not a morsel of food was offered, so everyone was on their own. June and Beedy ate most of the can of hash that we managed to stow away with us upstairs. People like us who'd come to Brent early scavenged for leftover food, but latecomers had nothing. A man broke down and wept. <sighs> because his children were hungry. Added to our worries is a rumor about Japanese civilians coming to seek revenge. Ah, oh, crap! They took my goddamn can opener! Would you please mind your language? There are children here. I'm sorry. Hey, does anyone have a can opener? Daddy, I'm hungry and I'm tired. Miss? Miss? Yes? Uh, excuse me, but you wouldn't happen to have any food that you can spare? I don't have enough to feed my own baby. We'll take scraps. Anything. I, I've got half a slice of bread. Thank you. My family hasn't eaten since we've gotten here. We can give you a piece of cabbage and a sliver of cold turkey. Here's a little bit of spam. It's all we can spare. What's that idiot doing lighting a kerosene stove? Oh god, if it tips over, the whole place will go up. Hey, put the damn stove out! I'm very worried about the sisters. Over at the convent? They're holed up there, all alone. My housekeeper said that Colonel Horan gave them his personal vex before the army left. I hope they don't get the sisters in trouble. Do you think the Japanese will give them a dispensation for being nuns? Hard to tell. Most of them are Americans, aren't they? Hey, does anyone know who the Japs have interned beside Americans? What about the Chinese? They won't take Father Rojo, will they? He's Spanish. What? Are you sure, Carl? Yes, I saw him. The Japanese armies put Mukibu in charge. Oh, great. He had to have been interned at Camp A. And you know how Japanese civilians were treated there. Well, maybe he'll show us more compassion than we did. Not this guy. Nope. He's one cold customer. And way, way too suave. Didn't he graduate from Harvard? Yeah. That's probably why they recruited him. Or he volunteered. Guy gives me the creeps. I think he's a bubble off. Oh, swell. Isn't that the cherry on top of this pilot? By afternoon, Japanese soldiers were rounding up Americans and bringing them to Brent School in confiscated cars. I heard that the headcount could go over 500, considering how many Americans live in Baguio. And we're already at capacity. The soldiers' solution to crowd control seems to be just shuffling us from one room to another. Jerry said it was to keep us from organizing. But honestly, 
I don't think they know what to do with all of us. But Jerry was right about men being separated from women and children, because June, Beattie, and I were eventually sent to the cafeteria. Our new domicile and its close proximity to the kitchen energized a few women to start organizing. I wanted to join in, but was feeling too woozy to be of much help. As we become more acclimated to our situation, we look at our captors more closely. Even through my gauze of exhaustion, or whatever's wrong with me, I notice that many of the soldiers are as frightened of us as we are of them. <laughs> From their looks, I can easily imagine that most of the soldiers have never traveled more than a few miles from home. When they rifled through our belongings, one of the soldiers' hands trembled from obvious fear. But I wouldn't want to cross any of them. One mother got a young soldier to hang up her son's diapers to dry on a fence outside the cafeteria. <laughs> Maybe he didn't want to cross a tired mother with a colicky baby. Well, it's better than upstairs. Has anyone found food in the kitchen? Only spam and some potatoes. I'm certainly not going to turn my nose up to that. We can make soup. Ladies? Ladies! Ladies! Would some of you please help clear out the dining room so we'll all have a place to sleep tonight? Looks like there's not going to be enough room to fit everyone. What if we use the tables as bunk beds? Great idea, but we'll have to set up the tables again. What have you got there? A pail of diapers I washed in the boys' restroom. I'm going to hang them out on the fence. Dottie, you know you can't go outside. The heck I can't. I'll just talk some sense into the guards. But they don't speak English. So? Here, hold the baby nearly. You stop! Oi! Anta Doguni got in there! Oh, hello there. It's just a pail of clean, wet diapers. See? Wet. Diapers. Now, if you'll excuse me. You stop! I just want to dry them on the fence outside. See? Wet. Dry. Fence. You know I wouldn't run off. I've got an infant for heaven's sake. But we don't have any dried diapers, you see. Alright, buddy. Then how'd you like to put a wet diaper on a screaming baby? I know. Why don't you hang them up? You hang diaper fence. Diapers? Well, aren't you a peach? This is just so nice of you. Here, take the bucket. They're all yours. Thank you. 
のシリーズこのクソみたいな場所で覚えた最初の英語がダイパーツシベツの家にいられてあいつが選択して干してるのもダイパーツ Dottie, he left his rifle on the ground. Well, don't look at me. I'm not gonna pick it up. Huh. Not exactly frontline troops, are they? December 30, 1941. Camp John Hay. Divine Providence was the only reason we all survived yesterday. Even atheists prayed. It started badly. I woke feeling very weak, got up to wash, and collapsed. I don't know if it was from lack of sleep and food or constant fear, tightening around my body like a python. But by the time everyone was ordered to go to the tennis court at noon, I, I, I could barely put one foot in front of the other. I was so out of it that all I recall is Jerry finding us in the crowd, soldiers packing us onto the court like upright sardines, <laughs> and Mukibo standing on top of a table with a machine gun next to him. When he finally spoke, quiet from an unnatural calm of deep fear, settled over the tennis court. There you are. Thank God. Jeez, Natalie, are you going to be able to stay up right through this? I feel so weak. It's like I don't have a middle, and, and my head feels queer. You're really pale. Have you and the kids eaten anything? We, we had soup or something, something like that this morning. Jerry, Jerry. Where are the kids? It's okay. It's, they're right next to us. I don't think I can stand. Just lean on me and I'll hold you up. Why are we here? Maybe they're going to register the women and children and let us go free. Oh, Fern. I wouldn't get your hopes up. But we didn't intern Japanese women and children. Jerry, look who's standing on the table in the center of the court. It's Mukibu. Jesus Christ. They made him an officer. Why are they locking the gates? Hey, you can't do that. What are they going to do with us? Dear God, they're going to machine gun us all down. that you are now under the Imperial Army of Japan. You can no longer look into your motherland for help. 
Japan will provide food for you and a place to live. We will not mistreat you as long as you obey orders. If you do not obey, we will shoot you. You will be divided into four groups. Children over three years of age, women and children under three, men, and the sick and adults over 60. Each one, except those in the last group, must work and carry his own personal effects. Heavy baggage must be placed on the tracks, but we will not assume responsibility for its safe delivery. I will give you 15 minutes to get ready. Okay, quick, quick! When we returned to the cafeteria, we mothers became frantic about sending our children off alone and never seeing them again. <sighs> With so little time, all any of us could do was pack our belongings quickly and comfort our children until the guards ordered us back to the tennis court. When we were ordered to go, I needed June and Beatty's help to even walk. Uh, somehow, Jerry found us. <laughs> He'd gotten a place for me in one of the cars, taking a few elders and sick who could not walk. <sighs> but this meant that Beatty and June had to walk by themselves, and they were going first. I wanted to walk, but I couldn't, so Jerry carried me to one of the transport cars. <laughs> a deluxe black Buick that the Japanese had confiscated. And we all kissed and hugged each other goodbye. When the soldiers ordered the children's group to start walking, June and Beatty hurried off in tears with Jerry. As the boys and girls left, a line of distraught parents called to them. When the scared and crying children disappeared over a hill, soldiers signaled the women and small children to go. One frail mother took only her pocketbook so she could carry her child. A few of the older women were afraid and suspicious of riding in a car, so they walked, but they were barely able to lug their belongings behind them. The men went next. They, of course, carried the bulk of our belongings. <laughs> Mukibo probably wanted to make them feel even more beaten and powerless. I heard later that the Japanese had expected Filipinos to line the road and watch our humiliation. Instead, <laughs> the Filipinos stayed home. We sick and the elderly left last, but our caravan soon caught up with the sad parade as we drove up and down hills. I think the count of 500 prisoners must be correct, because we passed a long line of weary, beaten people. The men staggered under their double loads, and soldiers prodded slower hikers with their bayonets. By the time my car passed them, the children had become dull-eyed and silent. Too weak to carry their loads and too tired to care, they dropped their Christmas presents, leaving a thin wake of toys and lifeless dolls lying on the road. I tried to find June and Beatty, but couldn't. As we drove to the top of a hill, 
I looked back and noticed the landscape for the first time. There wasn't a stretch of untouched earth. Bomb craters pockmarked the landscape. Trees were splintered and buildings destroyed. In my haze, I thought slowly, today is December 29. The first bombing was on the 8th. That's 22 days. On we drove in <laughs> abject splendor. As our deluxe Buick approached a cratered and overgrown golf course, I glanced out the front window and knew instantly where we were going. This concludes Episode 6. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of Forbidden Diary, the true World War II story of Natalie Crowder, based on her secret journal written from a Japanese prison camp in the Philippines. <laughs>